Well, as you can see this morning, I've, I've brought along a, a couple of bags. And I thought, wondered if anyone wanted to open and see what might be inside the bag. Anyone want to come and have a look at what might be inside the bag this morning? Why don't we, why don't we have a look? I'll tell you what. Now then, let's have a look. Do you want the black bag or do you want the Disney bag? What about you, Saskia? You sure? Okay then. Don't want to argue about it. No? Okay then. Right, well, why don't you have a look what's inside the Disney bag and why don't you have a look see what's inside the black bag. Now, while they're doing that, hopefully you all got, when you came in, please tell me you all got a bit of bandage, did you? Or you got a plaster? Yeah? You've all got something like that. And hopefully you all got one of these as well. Is that right? And hopefully you've all got something to write with. Right, well, we might sort that out a bit, a bit later on. Right, let's have a look. What have, we got? what have we got in here? Can you hold up? So, as you can see, come over here a bit, Saskia, come this side. As you can see, I'm not going to say that there's a road sign missing in St. Juan this morning and that I've kind of taken this down. Of course, you know that I wouldn't do that, don't you? Especially considering I'm meant to be responsible in part for making sure that these go up because it would be a parish road. But of course, what are they? Come on, tell me what they are. Do you know what they are? They're signs. Now, where might you see this sign? On a wall. Where might you see that sign? On a pole. On a pole, yeah, yeah. And why do we have signs? What they're there for? Got any ideas? To tell you which way to go. That's a really good answer. Anything else? Anyone else want to think why we have signs? So we don't get lost? Yeah? Or to give us direction. And you know, what we've been doing as adults over January in this church season, we call it epiphany, which is a really good word, I think. The church has all the best words. Epiphany. It just really means the month of January and a bit into February. We've been looking at, at signs, a bit like this, because when John, one of Jesus' best friends, decided to write a story all about Jesus' life, he decided to do it through signs. And he used those signs to tell people and to show people who Jesus is. Could you hold that for me in the middle? Because it's quite heavy, isn't it? Do you think you can hold it? Are you strong enough? Cool. We'll just bring this up a minute. And we've been looking at some of those signs as we look at. Now look at those seven symbols underneath because we're going to come to them in a minute. And what John, Jesus' best friend, did was he used these signs. And he said to them that Jesus did lots of signs. He didn't just do seven that we've been looking at. He did lots and lots of signs. And he did these signs so that, for a reason, so that they'd show us, so that give us direction as to who Jesus is that we might believe that he's the Messiah and that we might believe 
by believing we may have life in his name. And so we're going to think about the last of the signs this morning that we're going to look at. And I've put those words in yellow and those words in red deliberately because there are two questions to ask. Why does the sign show you? Or why do you believe that the sign shows you that Jesus is the Messiah? And what does it mean to then live life in his name? And so this morning we're going to look at the last sign. Now then, you've got seven signs there above that word sign. Which sign do you think we're going to look at today? A skull. Well, of course, we're in a church, aren't we? And what are we surrounded by? Dead bodies. <laughs> and so we're going to do the raising of Lazarus. And so what I thought we might do is, I thought we might close our eyes. Because sometimes when we close our eyes and hear the story, sometimes what happens is we kind of hear things that we might not hear. Or we might feel some of the emotions. And so, if you sat on the edge of the row, you might want to go in a bit. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Because this is Lazarus coming back from the dead. So, Tim is going to read the reading for us. Let's put the signs down for a minute. That's And all I can say is, why don't you close your eyes? Because we're not going to start until we, we close our eyes. You can sit down, it's all right. You can sit. And why don't we see what's going to happen? Is anyone cheating? I'm checking. I'm checking. Can you please close your eyes? I'm allowed to have my eyes open because I've got to read. When Jesus got to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than three kilometers from Jerusalem, and many people had come from the city to comfort Mary and Martha because their brother had died. When Martha heard that Jesus had arrived, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now I know that God will give, will do anything that you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will live again. Martha answered, I know that he will be raised to life on the last day, when all the dead are raised. Jesus then said to her, I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live, even if they die. And everyone who lives because of faith in me will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. You are the one we hoped would come into the world. 
Jesus was still, still terribly upset. So he went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone rolled against the entrance. Then he told the people to roll the stone away. But Martha said, Lazarus has been dead for four days. There'll be a bad smell. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you have faith, you would see the glory of God? And after the stone had been rolled aside, Jesus looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, I thank you for answering my prayers. I know that you'll always answer my prayers. But I said this so that the people here would believe that you had sent me. When Jesus had finished praying, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man, who had been dead, came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped in strips of burial cloth with a cloth over his face. And Jesus told the people, untie him and let him go. Anyone want to meet Lazarus? You know, it's, it's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? When, when Lazarus came out of the tomb as to what the people did. You know, I was, I was thinking about it. Um, do you think they ripped his grave clothes off? Or do you think they were scared? And they weren't quite sure whether to touch him. Whether it was, whether it was, whether it was really him. So who wants to meet Lazarus? You all too scared? Or anyone want to? What was the last thing that Jesus said to the people that they had to do? Well, come on then. What are you doing then? Why are you sat there? You've got to untie him. You've got to untie him. You're all doing this so carefully, aren't you? I mean, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thanks, Lazarus. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we had those two questions. 
Why? Why does the raising of Lazarus tell us that Jesus is the Son of God? Why are you convinced Jesus is the Son of God? Why do you believe that? And it's quite simply this. Because Jesus can do what only God can do. Because all through the Bible, God's described as all-powerful. We saw it, see it in three ways. He could control nature, the natural world. He could heal the sick. And he could raise the dead. And what we've seen in these signs is we've seen that Jesus has done all those things. He's walked on water. He's changed water into wine. He's healed the blind man or the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And now he does the greatest, raises the dead. And we have to be and have to ask the questions like Martha did. Do we believe? Like Martha said, Lord, I believe. And then there's that second one about, well... What does it then mean to live life in his name? What is that all about? And if you remember, life in his name, it's about eternal life. It's about life that begins now, though. You know, when we talk about eternal life, people think that it's something that happens after you die. And what Jesus was saying through this, through this miracle was he was saying, I am the resurrection and the life. That whoever believes in me, even though they die physically, they will live forever. And the only hope we have, the only hope that anybody has in this world, that this world is not all that it is, is because Jesus rose from the dead. There's nothing else out there that says there's anything of some sort of life after this. Only Jesus promises that, eternal life. And he makes that invitation to anyone because he says the words, whoever. And then... So therefore, it means something about life today. Because eternal life doesn't begin after we've died. Eternal life begins once you believe, like Martha believed, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life that he is the Messiah. And so as I was thinking about what Jesus said to the crowds, he gives us through the sign that he did, some signs for us of what it means to live life today in his name. And I just thought I'd pick a few of them out. So for instance, if you've got your, your card here, you'll see that, and this is where you'll need a pen. Because I just sort of thought, you know, what did Jesus do? You know, what did Jesus do after he'd asked them to roll the stone away? What did he do next in verses 41 and 42? Anybody know? He prayed. So why don't you take your pen and kind of circle all those words that begin with with, where it says Jesus prayed. He didn't kind of, wasn't showing off in all this. He prayed. And living a Jesus life today is about praying regularly to God. It's one of the key ways in which we get closer to God. But what did he say to Lazarus? In verse 43, what did he say to Lazarus? Come out. So why don't we circle come out next? Because living life in Jesus' name is all about coming out for Jesus. Because it could be tough being a Christian out there. And actually, 
Jesus is saying through this story that living life in his name is all about coming out and saying, hey, I follow Jesus Christ. And using those opportunities to tell the people that we know, our families and friends, about who Jesus is. But then there's another thing. Look at Martha in verse 39. What does Martha do when Jesus says, roll away the stone? What happens to her? I'll tell you what she says. It's quite simple. She has a wobble, doesn't she? She has a wobble. That's, that, that, that's what happens with Martha. She said before, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, but you can't raise people from the dead. It kind of stops there. And it reminds me that all of us, when we live life in our names, sometimes the grave clothes or bits of the grave clothes stick to us. And we have something of, if you like, the past still with us. We all have those bad days. We all get things wrong. Sometimes our faith doesn't quite stretch as far as we'd hope. And Martha's like, what are those people? And it's important when we remember that we have those days that who Jesus is, that he can be trusted, that he loves us, and that he's a good God to us. And then one final thing. What did Jesus say to the people, right, that they were to do with Lazarus? Untie him. So circle, untie him. You see, because people are dead to God. We were dead to God once, and people just go around with their lives without paying much attention to God. They go around with their grave clothes on. And so Jesus says that living life in his name is all about helping people take off these grave clothes. And so you were given a plaster or you were given a piece of bandage when you came in. And I want us to use this in two ways now as we, as we pray before we sing again. Here's one way that we can use this bandage or we can use this plaster. I want you to think about something in your life that actually just seems pretty hopeless. You know, it could be a family illness. It could be something at work or school that's not going right. It could be a relationship that's gone wrong. It could be a a character flaw that you've seen in your life that you just don't think you're going to be able to overcome. And if God reveals that to you when we're quiet in a couple of minutes, I want you to maybe write something about that on your bandage. It could just be one word, it could be a picture, it could be more than that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put the bandage or the plaster. You can either stick it on your body or maybe stick it on your coat somewhere or wrap it round in somewhere. And of course, if you're like me, if you're going to use a bandage, it's a bit harder, isn't it, to put a bandage on with one hand, so you might need a bit of help. Or the other way to use it is to think about something about what it means to live life in his name. Maybe you want to make a commitment to say to Jesus, I want to pray a bit more. Maybe you want to say to Jesus, I want to come out a bit more with my family and friends about what you mean to me. Or it could be that maybe you've just had a bit of a wobble lately and you just want to 
just use the bandage in that way. Or it could be as a symbol that you want to help people take off their grave clothes. And so there's, there's two options. And the idea is, is that you, you then wear the bandage or you wear the plaster as a sign of trust, a sign of faith in Jesus. You know, you could, you could put this bandage on when you go to work or school tomorrow. And sort of like people might ask you, oh, what have you done to your hand? And you say, oh, nothing. But at church yesterday, and you just use it ever so naturally to say, well, we were talking about how Jesus did this with Lazarus. And I just wanted to use this bandage to just come out for Jesus and just tell you a bit about why I follow him. So let's be quiet now. Let's take two minutes amidst the bustle and busyness of everything else to just think of what God wants to say to you. And then we'll write it on our bandage or our prayer or on our plaster. And then we'll put it on our body somewhere or on our coat. So let us pray. Okay, so now's your opportunity to write something or to a word or a picture on your bandage or your plaster and then I'll pray.
So let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are the God who can do the impossible. So if we put something on our bandage or our plaster of a situation that seems hopeless, of a relationship that's gone wrong, of a character flaw that we can't seem to overcome, we lift that to you. Or whether we've used our bandage or our plaster in in another way to say that we just want to live more life in your name then, Lord, we we lift them to you now, whatever that thing might be, knowing that you are the God who can do the impossible. And so we use our bandage, we use our plaster as a sign of trust in you, of who you are, of how much you love us, and how you are a good God to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.